That was excellent singing this morning. Really, really excellent. I ministered to my soul and hope to yours as well. Let me encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and go to the book of James. In James, we're going to be in chapter 3, verse 1. If you're using one of the Bibles provided for you, it's page 1012. The title of the message is The Ultimate Power Tool. And obviously, this is a text... If you're familiar with the book at all, this is the, the, uh, the text of the book that talks about the tongue quite a bit. And um, it really is a tool that God has given to us um, and with enormous power, enormous potential. Um, and power tools are great, uh, e- even for someone like myself who I'm not... Um, I'm not a handyman by any stretch of the imagination. There's something about just holding the power tool, you know, um, even if it's not plugged in, you know. It's like, man, this is great. Um, I remember buying power tools uh, when we were going down to uh, Louisiana, bought some tools because we knew we were doing some, some projects down there. And I told my wife, I said, said I, I want to get the, the set of power tools and she just looked at me and said, for what? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, there, there's, there's some really cool tools out there, and you can do a lot of great things with them. Unfortunately, um, people uh, read men when I, when I say that, don't always use power tools correctly. Um, so I have a few examples of this. Uh, you can go ahead and go to that first one. Now, see, to me, I think that's actually a good idea. Um, I, I mean, you got, you, you need to get the dinner ready, you know, get the, get the saws all out. Uh, this is not a plug for DeWalt by any stretch of imagination, but you know, I think that's actually a pretty good deal there. But, uh, okay, next one. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if you can see that well or not, but, um, even, even I know that's probably not a good idea. Um, I don't know who this guy is, um, and probably in a few minutes, he didn't know who he was either. Um, next one, um, No comment necessary, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, okay, next one. <laughs> now, for some reason, I, I, I was imagining, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking through all the woodworkers I know, okay, and, you know, I've got friends in different places. It seems like in every church I've served in, there's been a master carpenter. Have you, have you thought of this? You know, in Rhode Island, it was Deacon Doug, you know, he was a... Uh, he, he was a physical therapist, but then it turned his hobby into uh, of woodworking into his business. And he said, I said, why'd you do that? He says, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, actually it was the reverse. He, he went to, he was a carpenter first and then became a physical therapist. He said, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I started making wood objects. And now I start healing people. But uh, so that was Deacon Doug. And then in, in Rockford, uh, there was a guy named Bill that was a master carpenter. And here, of course, we have Gordy. Now I, I'm thinking to myself, now, does this conversation ever happen in the Miller home? Hey, Sue, I need your help <laughs> for a few minutes here, and, and something like this happens. I'm not thinking that happens, okay? Um, power tools are wonderful, but you have to know how to use them, right? You have to use them correctly. I mean, they can be either used for good or they can be used 
uh, for something very terrible and can inflict a lot of pain. And God has given each of us an incredible power tool, and that's our tongues. So that's what this text is, is all about. So let me encourage you to follow along as I read this text of James 3. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with stricter, uh, will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the horse, uh, in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, apparently, in this church, or the people to whom James was writing, because remember, he's writing to the people who were formerly in his church in Jerusalem, and they were now exiled, and so he's writing to these people in exile, trying to encourage them. Apparently, that there was this, there was this, this, this wave of desire of people to become teachers, and they may not have been qualified to become teachers. And so James, he starts this, this, this section here by saying, hey, listen, you need to be careful with wanting to be a teacher here, because there is a stricter judgment here. So anytime someone stands to teach, they are inviting the judgment of God. And so it's almost humorous to that. As I stand here before you today to teach about stricter judgment of teachers, I'm inviting a stricter judgment upon myself because I'm teaching you about it. So we stand as as teachers, we stand with a stricter judgment um, that we face. Now, the point of the text here is not that people shouldn't be teachers. The point of the text is that we will be held accountable for the words that we say. And words matter. You know, you've all heard it before. The kids would say, sticks and stones break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Biggest lie kids say. What we say is, it has tremendous power. And so here as James is going through this text here, he's going through this, this, this scenario here, and he's talking about different topics that would help the believers who are in exile. He warns them that they shouldn't be anxious about being a teacher because they'll be held uh, accountable. This is a a possible reference back to chapter 1 and verse 19. Remember when he said, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So he introduced this topic way back in chapter 1. 
But the point is that we will be held accountable for how we use our tongues. It's the ultimate power tool that we have. Now, this is relevant to everyone, not just teachers, because look at there in verse 2, he says, for we all stumble in many ways. So he's using the example of the greater to the lesser here. He's saying, so you have teachers here who, who they're held accountable, and so we are accountable as well. He says, we all stumble the way that's written. It says that we continue to, or that that is a lifelong uh, uh, activity that we are going to stumble in our speech. And think about the course of your life and think about how many times you wish you could take back something you have said. You can't. Or you wish you would have spoken up and you didn't. This is, this is a, a constant stumbling that we will face throughout our entire lives. But James says that there is hope and he wants to give us hope here. But we will be held accountable for this. Matthew chapter 12 verse 36 says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Think about that. Every careless word. That's a sobering verse to me. You know, particularly for someone who, who talks a lot. I mean, this is what I do. I stand in front of people and talk, and, and I meet with people, and I talk. And I, I told you last week, my mom, she, she told me in her infinite wisdom, she said, you know, Jeremy, you just got a really big mouth. Find a way to serve God with it. Um, I talk. This is what I do. So when I read that verse there, I think, man, how many careless words have I uttered? How many times have I said something to somebody and I didn't think about it or I didn't, I didn't try to minister grace to that person in that moment? And I will be held accountable for that. We all will be. So the this, this subject of the tongue is, is so important to each and every one of us because, because and it goes deeper than just words, because words are formed from thoughts, and it, and it, and it really gets into the heart, and we're going to see this as we get through this text. It, it gets into the heart of even how we think about each other and, and how we communicate. And so all of us communicate in one way or another, and how we communicate and what we communicate is very important, and um, it, is, it is crucial that we, that we wrestle with this and and ask God to teach us some of this. So the point of this text, the main point of this passage isn't to discourage people from being teachers. James's point is to illustrate the power of the tongue and the accountability that goes with our use of the tongue. That's the main point. So let's dive into that a little bit. Number one, if you're taking notes, is our tongue is an influential tool. It's an incredibly influential tool. And the influence of our tongue is often underestimated. I mean, here we have this, this illustration. James gives several illustrations here. He's a very practical writer, very practical speaker. And so he gives illustrations often throughout this book. And one of the illustrations he gives here is he, he talks about this, this horse and the power of the, the horse and how that you just put just this tiny little piece of metal in the horse's mouth and you can then control this incredibly strong uh, animal. We have power that's measured in horsepower today. And there's a whole mathematical equation of how it's an estimated, you know, of what it is. And I looked into that, and it was very confusing to me. But uh, nonetheless, I just know that people looked at horses as a unit of power and how much they could get done. And they can get a whole lot more done than we can. They're very strong animals, as you well know. I mean, for years, for centuries... A man relied on horses for, for their work and for their travel and for so many other things because of their strength. 
But James's point is that we have this incredibly strong animal and powerful animal. And yet you put this little piece of metal in that mouth and that skilled rider, he can make that horse do whatever he wants. And so the power of the tongue is often underestimated. It's very little compared to the size of our bodies. It's very small in, in, in many ways, but yet it has enormous influence over uh, how people perceive us, how we communicate. It has influence over our values. It has influence over so many things. It's an incredibly influential tool. He also gives the illustration of a rudder and a ship. And he talks about how big these ships are and how they're, they're tossed by, by winds and, and, and they're driven, but yet a pilot can direct it by just a small rudder. In World War II, the Germans had uh, a super battleship called the Bismarck. And for those of you who are World War II history buffs, you'll, you'll remember this, that the Bismarck began to uh, attack the Allied forces in their shipping channels. And very quickly, they, um, they sunk one of the Britain's uh, most prized uh, uh, vessels in their fleet. It took less than 10 minutes. Uh, this this uh, Britain, British ship was called the Hood. Uh, the Bismarck sank it in less than 10 minutes. And it was just an incredible battleship, this Bismarck was. And it kept going through the shipping lines and it was going to the harbor where it was going to. And people were trying to give chase to it, but it was just too big of a machine and, and too strong. And uh, it just kept going. Um, but in a biplane, a small little biplane, came flying by and dropped a torpedo. And um, as quote-unquote luck would have it, it hit the rudder of the Bismarck. And so this, you have this powerful ship that's going, and all of a sudden this Bismarck lost its rudder, and so it just started doing circles. That's all it could do is in circles. Well, so this ship is going in circles, and then it gave plenty of time for Allied forces to send in reinforcements and end up sinking the Bismarck. Bismarck's in the bottom of the ocean to this day because of a broken rudder. I mean, he had all this firepower, had all this, this armor, had all this, this, this uh, power to it, but yet the rudder was annihilated, and it sank. How influential the rudder was for this whole ship. And so James is using these illustrations so that, that we, can, we can get a sense of an appreciation for our tongues. And, and, and that we would be very, uh, it would be uh, inappropriate of us to underestimate the influence of this. There's another illustration he gives of, of a fire here in the text there. And he says um, how a, a forest is set ablaze and the tongue is a fire, verse 5 and 6. I'm reminded about a year ago in 2014 in Los Angeles, about 40 miles uh, outside of, of Los Angeles, three campers were, were camping and they set a little fire and they were uh, putting some paper in the fire to keep it going. And a breeze came by and took some of the sparks and, and, and took it out of the, the fire pit and set a huge wildfire. At least five homes were destroyed. Over 3,600 people had to be evacuated from their homes. Why? Because one little spark, one little spark got blown out and it caused great devastation, incredible influence. 
Our tongues have great influence. They have influence over uh, what we say of, of how people perceive us. You gotta be careful with this illustration, but um, when when I was in Jamaica, um, uh, <laughs> my wife is like, "Oh no, don't go there." Um, when I was in Jamaica, um, I, I have to tell it now, sweetie. I can't. I can't not. But we were uh, we were doing some children's ministry and things like that, and and there are a ton of kids at this children's ministry, and I uh, I. I didn't know their names. I mean, they tell me their names, and and I, you know, I couldn't remember them all. So my my standard rule is, you know, all the kids become buddy. You know, so I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? What's up, buddy? Well, um, I noticed that 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 people were were laughing at me. You know, when I'm talking to these kids. And, and I'm thinking, wait, what is going on? I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing a Bible story. I'm like, hey, good answer, buddy. You know, things that, ah, you know, laughing. I'm like, what is, you know, no one's taking me seriously here. So, so I talked to some people. I'm like, hey, wh- what does this mean? And, and they didn't want to tell me at first. And, and so I finally got people to tell me. Um, it's a, in Jamaica, the word buddy is a, a slang term for male anatomy. No one could take me seriously <laughs> because of one word. <laughs> one word. One word that I was uttering. And, it, and that no one was listening to me. Influence. Our tongues. The words that we say. Incredible amount of influence. And I think we often underestimate the influence that our speech has. How many times have someone's life has been altered by the advice of a coach or a parent or a teacher? And said, hey, you know, maybe you should consider this field. And their whole life has changed because of one word of advice. How many times has, has someone had made a, a, a very important decision in their life, either good or bad, because someone spoke words to them and encouraged them one way or another? You see, our tongues are incredibly influential. And, and I just want us to understand this. I want us to see that, that we have the power inside us. God has given to every person here this, this tool that is incredibly influential. And just a few minutes ago, I thought the singing was outstanding and, and my soul was, was being, was being uh, uh, driven to worship God even more. And I was thinking, these people are using these, these powerful tools that God has given to them to encourage everyone around them and bring praise to God. We have great influence with our speech and with our tongues. Now, James here, he goes on to, to show the, the level of influence that this has as he says that our tongues, they affect our entire life. Every part of us is affected. So the influence of our tongue affects every part of us. And James, he says, he goes to the point in verse 2, he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. So he says if someone can control their speech, if someone can have complete control over their tongue, they would be perfect. They would not sin at all. Because he's saying that how many, I'm thinking about this, how many of our sins are rooted in words or in tongue or in what we say? And he's saying, look, if you could control your tongue, if there's a person out here that could control their tongue perfectly, they would be perfect. They would not be able to, they would not be sinning in any other way. And he's given the point that this affects so much of our lives. 
I think what this indicates is that James is saying here, what he has in mind here, is he has more than just uh, what is audibly uttered in mind here. He has an idea of the heart here as well, because what we say is what we're thinking. James says that our tongues reveal much more about us than just our vocabulary. In verse 6, look at verse 6, he says, A tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. It affects every part of us, what we say and what we're doing. This is incredibly influential. And so God has given this to you. And the point I want to make here is that, you know, oftentimes when we look at this, at this text here, what we're saying is we, we kind of think, man, you know, I just need to control my tongue. I need to make sure I don't say things and, you know, don't say things stupid or hurtful. You know, this is, that's one application of this. But that's the negative side of it. What I'm trying to get across this morning is that God has given you an incredibly powerful tool to be used for his glory. So use it. Use it. Silence is not the, the answer here. Actually, speech is, but right speech. So use this powerful tool for influence because it affects everything. It affects our entire lives. The reality is that our life's values, goals, and purpose and idols are made apparent by how we use our tongue. The reality is, is that we love what we talk about. Or we can say it another way, what we love, we talk about. You can tell where someone's affections are by what they talk about. What are they most comfortable talking about? What subjects are very uncomfortable for them to talk about? These are all indicators of a person's values. And so you need to ask yourself this question right now as you're listening to this. What am I most comfortable talking about? What am I uncomfortable talking about? When it comes to spiritual things, is that a conversation that is easy for you to have? Or is that very difficult for you to have? When it comes to um, telling stories about other people, is it very easy for you to do? Or is it very difficult for you to do? You can continue on this application process in your own mind, but I just wanted to kick that ball and start it going down the mountain and let it gain some steam in your own mind. Think about what you enjoy talking about and what you find most comfortable talking about. That is a revelation of the heart. And you have this powerful tool, this influential tool that God has given to you to use, to use it. Now, the pen is mightier than the sword. That statement is really a statement about the tongue. And we should never underestimate the power in what we say. You know, we often talk about, you know, someone like uh, uh, a person with a very charismatic nature who could really get masses to do things like Jim Jones, uh, you know, a few decades ago, got people to move down to South America and, uh, in a cult. And, and it was really his tongue, his speech that, that drew people down to South America there. And, uh, and unfortunately, as, as you, many of you probably know the story, there was uh, mass suicide there following this cult leader. But the point is, is that um, this man used his tongue. He didn't, he didn't use force to get people to move down there. He used his, his speech. Now, sometimes we think of someone like that, we think, well, he's a charismatic leader. He, he's a gifted speaker. He was someone who could move the masses, and I'm not that way. And so my tongue isn't as influential. And I would say I disagree with you. Because we have, all of us have spheres of influence. That what we say matters. And what you say has influence over your children and your coworkers and your parents. Your tongue is incredibly influential. Wrestle with that. 
And so I think that it really has practical applications on what we say and what we communicate. Um, a very practical application would be even like something like Facebook. What we post on Facebook. What we communicate there. And some of you are like, oh boy, he's meddling now. <laughs> I'm going to look at my phone afterwards and find 85 unfriends, you know, but after this. But I mean, you know, sometimes we post things that, that are not helpful. Or that, um, you know, someone just posts on there like, you know, sigh. Sigh back. <laughs> what do you do with that? Or my, one of my favorites is, is, to the guy who cut me off on the belt line, you need to learn how to drive or something like that. If it's your friend that's cut you off on the belt line, either get new friends or talk to the friend, okay? What's my point? Is my point saying that every time you post something like that on Facebook, you're sinning? That's between you and God. But my point is this. Don't underestimate the power, the influence of what you do post, of what you do say with somebody. You see, our tongues are very, very influential. Do not underestimate that. You have great opportunities to influence others with your tongue. People use their tongues for complaining or venting. That has great influence. Negative is contagious. Complaining is contagious. Be very cautious about that. I told the staff you know, the, at the beginning of the year when we were meeting our staff meeting, I said, you know, one of the things I, I really want to make sure that, that uh, I, I don't fall into a complaining attitude or complaining spirit. So if you hear me, I told this to the staff and I invite you to, I said, if you hear me in my speech starting to have a, a, a complaining uh, spirit, I'm giving you permission to call me out on it and say, hey, hey, let, you know, that, that's complaining. That's not really helpful and things like that. Because, you know, Proverbs says, Proverbs says a fool, a fool gives full vent to his feelings. That's what Proverbs 29, 11 says. So we have influence with this. How we talk about people in front of others, in front of our children, our coworkers, our spouses. How we refer to them as influence that we're shaping their view of that person by what we say. Congregational singing, I mentioned this before, you have influence every worship service. You, you have influence over every service that we have together here. It's not just Mike and anyone else who's up here with them that's influencing this, the singing part of our worship service. You and I, we all have great influence over how that part of the service is. And it's by how we use our tongues. And a lot of times we're kind of waiting for someone else to make the first move, so to speak. We're, let's just sing out. And you'll see that that will influence other people. There's great influence. So our tongues is an influential tool. Secondly, our tongue is a very powerful tool. There is some overlap in some of these. But I, I think there was enough of a distinction here that I wanted to make it a separate point. Here he says this in, in verse 7. He says, um, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature has or can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And so you, we've all seen animals and large, strong animals, powerful animals that were tamed and whales and you know, elephants and, and dolphins and horses and whatever else. We, we've seen animals that have been tamed by man. And so it's possible that humans, they can tame some of the most powerful creatures on earth. God's given man that ability. However, 
Verse 8 is very clear. No human can tame the tongue. That's a sobering statement there. So, so we have power. God's given us ability and dominion to be able to tame some of the most powerful creatures on the earth. But I do not have the ability to, to tame a muscle in my mouth. I don't have it. We don't have that ability. Humans cannot tame the tongue. So do, are we left hopeless? Are we, are we saying, okay, now wait a minute here. So, so is it just, you know, we just we just hope for the best here? Well, no, because you know, Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So it is possible to have words that are acceptable. So how is it possible? Well, Psalm 141, verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. So what we know now is that this is a spiritual discussion, not a physical discussion. And so we need the help of God. This is a spiritual issue, not a will issue. By will means, say, well, I'm just not going to say anything bad. No, this is a spiritual endeavor that we have here. Jesus needs to transform how we use our tongues. And he does this by changing our values and desires. And this is accomplished by the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. And so while no one can tame the tongue, but consider here, consider what can happen when God tames the tongue. See, that's the issue here. Is that it's not an issue of, okay, what am I going to do or can I tame this? No, it is so powerful that I can't tame it. But God can and he does. Consider what would happen. If our tongues were completely tamed by God, how many regrettable spoken words would remain unspoken? But again, as I said earlier, don't limit the taming of the tongue to silence. Because Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Now exactly what that image is, is a little, I don't know what apples of gold have to do with settings of silver, but nonetheless, it just means it's a good thing, okay? It's a good thing to have a word fitly spoken or wisely spoken. So the, the, the goal of this text, if, if you walk away from this, this text and this sermon saying, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, you've missed the point. Because that's not the point that James is trying to get across here. He's trying to say we use this powerful tool, this influential tool for the glory of God. Sometimes gives us the right words to say in a situation. You know, God, he has the power to tame the tongue. Maybe you've experienced this where you've given someone a piece of advice or someone they've come back and, and they've said, you know, when, when you told me this, it changed my life. You're thinking, I don't remember saying that. That happened to me recently. There was a, a person who was in my youth group when I was in Rhode Island. And recently we, we ran into him and his wife and, and we were having dinner together. And he told me, he says, he said, you know, when you told me this, it, it changed me. And I, I, I barely remember the conversation. But what happened there? What happened there was a tame tongue that God in his sovereignty and his graciousness said, I'm going to use this speech for my glory here. I wish I could say all the time I said that were, were, these, were examples of, of a tame tongue, but it's an ongoing battle, as we already said here. Um, finally, number three. Our tongue is a versatile tool. You know, he says here, look in, in verse 9. 
He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. So our tongues can produce blessings. We've already talked about congregational singing, but here's another example of prayer. You know, we use our tongues to pray together. I remember when I was in the youth group, I was coming in the youth group at, uh, at seventh grade, and the, uh, the church just hired a new youth pastor. And um, Pastor Brian was his name, and, um, you know, incredible, um, influential man uh, in my life in many ways. And I remember uh, we had a youth group on Wednesday nights. There was um, nine of us uh, in the youth group. And on uh, Wednesday night there, and so we, we had three teams. We divided into three teams of three. And, and I remember him asking us, he said, would you, would you pray that God grows our youth group and, and calls uh, people to, to, to preach the gospel? And so the nine of us agreed to do that. And so every Saturday morning, uh, we would meet about 8 o'clock in the morning. We'd go up to the church, and, and we would pray, the 10 of us, together. And I can't remember how long we did this, but we, we, began, we began seeing more and more kids come. You know, with, within, it's not about the numbers here, but I'm just showing you that God does answer prayer at times. There was, after about a year and a half, maybe two years at the most, you know, we were having about 100, 125 teens every Wednesday night. And last night, or, or two days ago, I can't remember, as I was kind of thinking through this point, I I sketched out, um, did God answer the prayer of, of preachers being raised up? And um, I was able to, without spending much time at all, write down nine names of people that were in that youth group that are now preaching the gospel and pastoring churches. Um, and we have different varies, you know, different stripes of theology and, and things like that, but we're preaching the gospel to people. You know, that, that was prayer. That was, that was, that was a, one man saying, God's given you a tool that's versatile, that's influential and powerful. And what I want you to do is I want you to use it to talk to God and ask God and beg God for blessing. And he facilitated that for us. And we saw God do some great things. See, God's given you a powerful tool. Every one of us has the same tool. It, it, it's not like, you know, if I go into Gordy's workshop, I'm going to see a bunch of tools that I don't even recognize. I don't even know what they do. That's not the case here. We all have the same tool that we can use. It's very versatile. And so we can use it to produce blessing, but it also, unfortunately, can produce cursing. Now, the affiliation of the tongue is very telling. Look at, look at verse, uh, where is it again? Verse 6 again. It says, at the end, it says, And it is set on fire by hell, by Gehenna. I mean, it, it, what I think James is getting at here is that, because this is in the present tense, and so it's a continual strategy of the enemy to influence what we say, because he knows that our speech in our tongue is highly influential. And so this should make us very, very cautious, knowing that the enemy's strategy is to influence our speech on a regular basis. This is a present tense thing. He's saying this is happening every day of your life, where there is a strategy to influence what you say and how you say it, because that has great power and great influence over other people. So we should be very cautious about that, knowing that the enemy, that this is part of his strategy. When we know what the enemy is trying to do, it's helpful. It's helpful because then we know how to combat it. 
But here's the thing. I'd like us to contrast this truth here with, with Acts chapter 2. And you don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 2, we have the whole Pentecost. Uh, we have this time of, of where there was this tremendous change, or, or, or some people view it as the mark of the local church. And we see this right after Jesus ascending, and he's starting his, this work, this post-earthly work of Jesus. But I just find it curious as a contrast, when you look at the account in Acts chapter 2, those men were in the upper room and something like, like tongues of fire came down and rested on them and they began to speak in new tongues. I find an interesting contrast that we have here James saying that hell, that's a strategy of hell to influence our speech, but when we're led by the Spirit... God says, I will defeat that. I will defeat that strategy. I will give you new speech. I will give you the ability to speak words of life and truth and grace into people. So we have this versatility here. We can use our tongues for good. We can use it for evil. This versatility means that our tongues reveal our heart. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And so this reveals our heart. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And so what we say reveals our heart often. And so this versatility of our tongue of being able to do good or evil with it reveals our heart. And so I'm imploring all of us this morning, let us go to God and say, control our tongues. And help us to use this tool that God has given to us for good, for blessings, and not for cursings. You have the ability in this room to use your tongues for good as you interact with one another and as you have conversation with each other. And you can encourage one another and build one another up as Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us to do. And so I encourage you, I encourage you to use this tool in a way that would please God. Use this tool because God has given it to you. I'm reminded of what, Pete, what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? And so he says, everything you've been given, everything you have has been given to you by God. And God does not give things with no purpose attached to him. When he gives us things, he gives us with a purpose. And the reason why he gave you and I a tongue was to influence others for the glory of God and to bring praise to him. So think about all the idle conversations you have at work. Think about the interactions with your spouse. Think about how you talk to your children. Think about all the conversations you have. Every time we open up, every time we take that breath and we're ready to speak, understand that you hold in your hand, you know, figuratively speaking, a powerful tool that can be used to build and can be used for greatness or it can be used for destruction, tear people down. So how are you using your tongue? How are you using this tool that God has given to us? Praise and prayer, telling others, building people up. The key to a controlled tongue is a controlled heart. So who has your heart? Are you wrestling that away from God? Or do you say, God, I'm yours. I surrender all. You just saying about it. Is that true?
So think about how crucial spirit-controlled tongue is to loving God and loving people and even serving the world. This is an important tool that God has given to all of us. So let's use it for his glory. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that we would use the tongue, um, this powerful tool, in a way that would bring great glory and pleasure to you. I pray that we would not underestimate its influence that we have. You have given all of us a tremendous amount of influence here by speech. That's how you've designed this. And so I pray that we'd use this influence well and for your glory. It's, it's powerful. No one can tame this. We, we cannot tame the tongue on our own. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need his righteousness. That's why we need uh, uh, his righteousness to be put on our account. That's why he lived a perfect life is so that he would give us the ability then by his power to have controlled speech. And Father, I pray that as we have many choices every day of how to use this tool, that we would use it wisely. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the musicians come for our final song.